Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Armed and Generous. I'm your host, Luke Opliger. I'm excited for you to hear from the day-by-day team on this episode of Armed and Generous. You know, these guys are a group of talented, driven individuals who started a nonprofit on top of their already busy professional schedules. So imagine everything you got to do in life and then add a nonprofit to it. That's what these guys are up to. Here's what they do. They focus on building schools, gardens, and chicken farms to help offset the economic disparity in rural Zambia. Together, these projects have helped over 3,000 Zambians and growing. Like I said, all of this is a side gig give back, and they're using their nine to five craft to help those in need. Today, I'm joined by a few of the team members, Narendra Day, Andy Benura, and Ben Kirby. If you're interested in using your talents for something beyond your work life, starting a give back side gig, or if you wanna learn more about helping impoverished communities in Zambia, then this episode is for you. Let's get into it and see how the guys of Day by Day are living, armed and generous. Narendra, let's start with you. Tell us about Day by Day and how it all got started. Yeah, so so Day by Day was is really inspired by my wife, Candice. Um, in, in 2009, before we were even dating, she went over to Zambia to do some nonprofit work for another organization building footbridges. And when she was over there, uh, she really fell in love with the country, the culture, the people there. And then, you know, a couple of years later, we started dating and she talked about Zambia nonstop um, in, in the best way. And she, she'd always wanted to go back and, and try to figure out how to help people in Zambia. And so in, in 2016, we um, got engaged and also got married in 2016 and, and during the planning like everybody we we eventually talk about the gift registry mm-hmm. right and and um you know we're looking at everything we have and and we're doing okay financially and we just didn't need like another toaster and so it was a you know spur of the moment type thing i was just like well why don't we just start why don't we help people in zambia because you've always wanted to do that and talk about it and let's just start a nonprofit. And so instead of asking for gifts from our, from our, our, you know, our registered, our guests, um, we just, we started a nonprofit and we asked people to donate to this nonprofit, knowing nothing about nonprofits. And we decided to go on our honeymoon to Zambia. And our mission at that time was simply to help a specific number of people in Zambia that Candace met. So that's how we just, that's how the idea started. Um, And then we went, over to Zambia during our honeymoon. And we went to a couple of different villages that Candace visited and we started a couple of smaller projects there. So that That's was amazing. how we started. Yeah. I remember when we, when we registered, it was, they give us a, this is kind of pre apps. So they give us like the gun that would kind of hit everything. And I remember the, the bed bath and beyond employee was like, well, you really need three, three pairs of sheets one for your bed, one for the closet, and one for the wash. And I was like, okay, first of all, I work in marketing, so I know this is a tactic. And second of all, no, I think we're good. Like, we'll just take one set of sheets. Um, so that's awesome. And I think that's, that's really cool. You guys leaned into that, that passion. So you started a marriage, started a nonprofit, maybe started a new trend here. Uh, which I hope like- so. Yeah. That, that, you know, that's the goal is to inspire other people to hopefully, you know, do the same. So that's fantastic. Now I want to get to the other guys too. Um, we also have Andy and Ben on. Um, you know, part of part of the armed and generous philosophy is that 
you know, the things that we do during the day, the, the nine to five, our craft, uh, a lot of times can, can lead to something bigger if we lean into it and say, how do we leverage these gifts and talents uh, to really invest in others who, who need help um, or things in the world that need fixing? Um, so I'm going to get to those guys in a second. But Narendra, I was going to ask you, I, I know you, you have a day job as well. Can you talk about what you do um, in your nine to five and then how that translates into your work with the nonprofit? Yeah. Um, so I guess my, my nine to five is a little, I have a very flexible schedule, but basically I, I help start a supplement company, online supplement company. So um, I do that most days. And then we also do real estate. So my wife and I, you know, we do uh, real estate transactions and we have a couple of rental properties. So that's what, you know, keeps me busy most, most of the time. And then day by day, you know, I, I don't get paid for, from day by day at all. It's, um, you know, it's just kind of a passion project. Um, and that I do that, you know, when I can in my spare time. And it's, it's uh, something I try to, to do quite a bit during the week. So. That's awesome. So it sounds like part of, part of your reality is that you have a flexible work schedule which allows you to invest more time into the nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and the skills that I've learned from, you know, real estate and, and just online marketing um, for this supplement company really translates to the nonprofit world and that's thinking awesome. creatively. And, and then I have awesome people like Ben and Andy helping that, that you know, can't do it without them basically. So that's great. The dream team, the three amigos, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss it over to another amigo, uh, Andy. And if you want to just give us a sense of kind of what you do for a living and then what, how that translates into the day-by-day the -day work. Of course, yeah. So um, I'm a freelance commercial uh, advertising photographer. Um, and as far as my part in day-by-day, -day, it's kind of on the creative side, creative director, um, photographer, videographer, kind of handle all of that. Um, as far as my part, you know, uh, it's controlling the assets, coming up with the ideas, connecting the people um, that help kind of drive the marketing behind uh, day by day. Um, but also, um, I am on board as a decision maker. Um, so, you know, when we're going to schedule trips to go over what we're going to do, um, yeah. and all of that good stuff. So that's kind of my primary role. Um, but I would say the biggest is really kind of driving the creative behind the, behind the brand or behind the, the foundation. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. I know the, the visuals, especially where you're telling the story that is unknown. Um, you know, you think about our average kind of westernized day, you're just going through the motions, right? You're working, you're, you go to the grocery store, you kind of don't think about developing countries, um, you know, or areas that have extreme need. So I think, um, you know, kudos to you, Andy. I think you've done a great job of bringing to life visually uh, and, you know, through, through copy as well. Hey, this is, this is the reality um, mm -hmm. of what life is like in Zambia. Um, more on that later, but I think um, it's definitely a huge part. And it's cool to see you leverage your photography skills and creative skills uh, to really drive awareness and drive um, positive change in Zambia. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what makes it really, you know, exciting and encouraging and, and inspiring for me. Um, you know, we're gearing up for a new trip um, here in the next month and a half to head over and really kind of hone in on assets for our projects that are going on there. You know, the first time I went was 
Well, let's just say there was just a lot going on. It was the, it was the abundance overload because, you know, the people there are, are, are so photogenic and there's just so much going on um, that as a photographer, you know, thank God for the digital world because you can just photograph <laughs> as much as you want, you know, which is incredible. Um, you know, I was just taking pictures left and right, left and right. So, you know, I got a lot of really cool work from there that mm -hmm. does show the life in Zambia. But this trip, I'm really looking forward to go there and really just kind of dive into our projects and really help tell that story. And then, you know, we're going to bring a videographer along with us this trip to help mm -hmm. tell kind of a visual story um, through motion, which is really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah maybe next we can do claymation or something. We'll figure yeah. out the next evolution. <laughs> uh, ben, maybe you can help us with that. I know um, you've got some engineering background. If you could share been a bit about your role and then also kind of how that relates to your education, your background, your nine to five. That'd be great. So I'm an environmental engineer with North Carolina's Department of Environmental Quality. I work in the public water supply section. So I work with the drinking water systems ranging from a small mobile home park or a church to, um, to larger surface water plants that serve uh, the larger cities in the region. Um, for that, I worked for an uh, environmental law firm in DC and we dealt with a complex um, Clean Water Act litigation issues uh, related to wastewater discharge permits. Hmm. Um, so I'd say I have like an engineering and a law background and they've sort of combined to help me um, assist day by day. And so the, the engineering background, you know, helps me evaluate uh, project solutions, some schedules, um, budgets, and focus on, you know, efficiency and solutions. Um, and the law experience has helped me hone my, my writing and editing skills. And so I, I draft emails and, um, you know, write blogs for the website and help with general website development. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we have Narendra, he's the, the leader businessman and Andy's the photographer, creative director, and I try to be sort of everything in between. That's awesome. The glue that holds it together. Now, I think there's, um, if you would draw a Venn diagram of, of Ben and Luke, I think the only overlap would be that we both send emails. I think you're, um, I understood about every seventh word you said, Ben. You you definitely bring the smarts, man. Uh, uh, awesome. I, I've been around plenty of smarter people. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all on a spectrum, but I'm telling you, you're over here and I'm over here on the spectrum. Yeah. But no, it's cool to see how you know everyone has their gifts and talents. And what's what I love about what you guys are doing is that you're all bringing uh, your natural gifts and talents to the table and your craft that you've honed over the years. Um, really in, in big ways. Um, I even think, um, Rendra, with, with your entrepreneurship, uh, able to, to do the supplement thing and to do real estate and, you know, kind of create something from scratch and have energy to drive it forward, to cast a vision, um, to kind of go where no one's gone before and do what no one's done, I think is, is a big part of this too. So that's part of, part of the heart behind Armed and Generous is that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how smart or not smart you are, um, no matter you know what giftings you have, there's there's a place to leverage those uh, to do something beyond yourself, uh, which you guys are definitely doing. Now we we don't have everybody on the team. I know there's there's a couple of folks, or at least one other person you guys work with on the ground in Zambia. Um, Narendra, do you mind sharing a bit about that person and kind of that other role? Yeah, there's actually there's actually two folks in Zambia. It's our operations manager. His name is Chileshi, and then our project manager. Her name is Kikiwe. And without and they're they're boots on the ground in Zambia. They're Zambians, and and they're really the 
they're really the foundation for this, you know, for our nonprofit. And without them, this just wouldn't work. So, so basically they locate projects and they, they do everything from locating to assessing to implementation. And, you know, the money basically flows, any donation we get, any, any, um, anything we get goes from the United States directly to them to implement the project. If we didn't have them, then we would have to go over each time mm -hmm. and do it ourselves, which would be infinitely more costly and probably not successful by any stretch. So they know the culture, they obviously live there and they are very smart, very talented. And I wish they could be on here with us, but uh, wonderful individuals, humans. So loyal. I wanted just to add that, like their, their loyalty to the foundation is incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge part of it is, is having folks who are bought in um, mm -hmm. at, at the local level. I know we've, you guys have talked with them and I'm, I'm working with design outreach on a few things and they have a presence in Malawi and that that's been a big initiative for them over the past couple of years is to say, how do we get a, you know, a really an office and a distribution center set up locally? Cause you're right. It just wouldn't make sense to fly over there every time and it wouldn't be efficient. Um, which, which is exciting to, to invest in them as well. I'm going to take us back to the United States for a second. Uh, I know you guys are based, um, or at least a couple of you are based in Colorado. Um, Narendra, I know you, you had shared with me a, a while ago about the this Colorado University Boulder uh, partnership. Can you unpack that a bit, that strategic partnership? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, long story short, I, I got in contact with the environmental, um, head of the environmental department over there, Dale. Um, and I did a TED-like talk for all of his students. And then, um, you know, after that, he asked me to be part of his small community that does internships. Hmm. And this was, you know, two years ago when I was just trying to get the word out and I was talking to everybody I possibly could. And, um, you know, based on that relationship, we, we became partners with CU and we got a bunch of interns. Hmm. Um, and, and so that was, you know, the goal of that was to spread the word, obviously, about day by day, but also try to get a little bit of, you know, help from the smarter generation of, of younger people with a fresh eye on things. And so they helped um, from everything from fundraising on the ground to our digital assets. And actually, one of the students that now has graduated, we're, we're still, you know, we're still affiliated with. She actually wrote her thesis about oh. day by day specifically one of the projects and talked about the long-term um, impacts, short-term and long-term impacts and the assessment. Um, and so she had her thesis, she wrote a thesis and, and graduated with that. So it was pretty proud achievement for both her and, and our foundation. That's and, awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We're, we're kind of an intern season right now at work and there's the, you know, obviously there's um, these folks are not as seasoned, uh, may not have all of the experience, but it's it's almost a benefit at times. It uh, is, and I and we I think we can all think back to those that season of life where you've got just so much energy, so much conviction, so much passion, and we still carry that you know into mid career and late career. But there's something about early career where you're like, I, I just remember staying up till like two in the morning working on something and not being tired. Um, and I don't know if it's when you have kids or you pop a few gray hairs, but you're kind of like, wait a second, like this, this, there's something special about um, the energy and passion that comes from, from an intern, I think is really, you can't replicate other places. 
no it's um yeah the energy yeah and and they, it seems like those students in particular they they really they really want to do good in the world mm-hmm. and they're not jaded from any type of work experience yet <laughs> right. so it's um you know it's, it's very energizing to work with younger younger people that's awesome mm-hmm. I, I want to toss this out another question out to you guys you know Narendra, you had mentioned um you know in her thesis she talked about impact and the impact that was made um if you guys could give us a sense too just around the the more tangible work that you're doing in Zambia. If someone would say, "Hey, what is, what does day by day do in Zambia?" Um, can you outline that specifically? Yeah. So our, I mean, our high level mission is really to provide farm to family solutions for impoverished communities in Zambia. And what what that really means on the ground is we identify schools, generally primary schools, in different parts of the country. Well, we're focusing on Lusaka now, but in impoverished areas, and we work with them to build some sort of farm, right? So chicken farms seem to have worked really well in in vegetable gardens. And we dove a little bit into goat farming too, but those are really the the two vegetable vegetable gardens and chicken farms. And we help them essentially build those, grow vegetables, and they use that for food, and they sell the, the rest for materials for the school and on top of that they get this nice education piece which will carry them you know into the future hopefully so that's awesome yeah. you mentioned goat farming i mean who hasn't been involved in goat farming i think that's pretty common you know yeah <laughs> goats are funny animals man they're uh they're a trip they're, they're a trip yeah here here and i look kind of live out in the country in ohio and there yeah. are a number of people that own goats and I don't know if I'd, if I'd be up for that. They, um, they tend to have a personality of their own, but they eat everything. Yeah. But, but chicken, chickens is really our, our niche right now. It seems to be the most pro the easiest to implement, um, scalable, uh, the most profitable for the school. Cause Mm -hmm. I always think in in business sense, but it's, it's, and and then they can eat, you know, provides sustenance and, and food and protein that they need as well. So it makes sense. It makes sense that it's it's simple, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know too that there's there's a connection to you mentioned education and teachers and yeah. kind of unlocking that. Can you also give us a sense of okay, so if, if you have these basic needs, right? So if you have a chicken farm, um, what does that do for the the communities that you've established that with? Yeah, from from a high level, Zambia. Um, they they don't have many exports. They're they're, they're a po- very poor economy, right? The average average person makes a dollar to two dollars U.S. a day, right? Mm-hmm. So they they have to bank a lot on farming, okay? So if if they understand at a young age, and that's what we you know we try to help young younger people so they can grow into this. But if they understand farming at a young age, um, vegetable gardens, chicken farms, how to raise how to raise those, they can take that in the future and hopefully become self-sufficient, right? So, you know, what we've seen is, for example, at a school, Nabusanga, we helped them build a, a vegetable garden. Well, the community noticed that, and hmm. all of a sudden, all these individual ho- households started growing tomato farms in their, in their front yard. Okay. So, you know, farming is the, really the backbone of, unfortunately, the backbone of Zambia right now, and they have to be self, self-reliant for food. Mm-hmm. a lot of the cases so you know that's how that's, you know that's what we're doing so 
Very cool. Now I want to ask you guys too, we've, we've talked about kind of the logistical side, the, the kind of physical side. I'm curious from a kind of an emotional standpoint, I know Andy, one of, one of your jobs is to tell the stories uh, mm-hmm. of, of the people you encounter. And it's, as you think back, you know, are there certain people or instances or is there something that's kind of captured your heart that you could share uh, from your visits? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just generally speaking, uh, just the people themselves as a whole, they're just so kind and so welcoming um, to their country. And, you know, that to me is, uh, it's, again, it's inspiring. It gives you purpose to want to kind of carry on um, and do this sort of good. Um, As a photographer, um, or just as a person that lives in, you know, such a great place like the United States, um, just to be able to give back, um, you know, uh, for me is important. And uh, to, to people that really cherish what you're doing for them. And whenever we were over there last time, you really see that. You see the gratitude. You see um, you, you see how it, the, just our little foundation, how it positive, like positively affects just a, such a small like group of people. And we were at uh, one of our projects at Nabusanga and you know, you, <laughs> you're kind of, you know, in the midst of all this, like, it, I don't want to call it madness, but it's, it, it is to a degree, but it's good madness. It's all these kids that are just so overwhelmed, mm. so excited that you're there. And, you know, th- they'll, they'll personally come up to you and touch you and hug you and high five you and just give you all this emotion that you, you're not used to getting, <laughs> you know, and that to me is, uh, you know, it, it takes your breath away to a certain degree. And it just shows you how so little can go so far. Mm. Uh, and for me, that's impactful. Um, you know, because again, I live, you know, living in the United States, we have so much at our fingertips. And, you know, we basically have every resource that we need, um, that we can get dropped off almost by a drone these days at our house. Mm. You know, <laughs> where um, where there, you know, uh, it, it it goes to show how much again touch base on how little can go so far, mm-hmm. and that for me has been just impact. Um, on a funny side, just to step back just a little bit, you guys were talking about the goats and how we've kind of stepped a little bit into that. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Oklahoma, and my dad uh, he had goats, but he used them for exercise. Um, he liked to go out and wrestle the ghosts on, on, on the daily um, as a way to get his morning exercise. So I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, so if anybody's inspired to kind of get into goat farming, um, you can also use them for a tool to, uh, you, you know, better health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've heard of goat yoga. This is like the new goat CrossFit or something. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just again, lovely people. Yeah. But just lovely people. Just incredibly you know charming and welcoming and mm. and all of that uh so yeah that's awesome yeah i think there's there's a there's something about the gratefulness um and human connection that especially in the states you know especially in bigger cities you kind of we just walk by each other as humans don't really interact mm. kind of just on your own path uh which i think is huge so thank mm. you for sharing, andy ben i was going to ask you i know you've got the engineering mindset um, you know, I know nothing is easy in this world, um, but I wanted to get a sense from you and, and Narendra as well is, as you guys think about 
different obstacles you've had and, and different ways to scale and different experiences. Can you guys speak to some of the, maybe some of the challenges you've had uh, when you've arrived and, and trying to implement um, the projects? Yeah, I, I can talk about um, one of the earliest foundation projects in Chamayoyo. It's uh, located in the Western province. Um, if you're looking for it on a map, it's not on any map. So uh, you'd have to look for Kalma. It's the closest on the map town. And so the, the original idea was to set them up with a pig farm. Um, so in, in 2017, we went out there and that's where I met Narendra and Andy and we helped construct it. And so in 2019, I ended up quitting my job and I went, um, I wanted to travel the world. So part of that trip, uh, it started out with 30 days in this uh, remote village of Shamayoyo. And I wanted to go back and you know, experience life in the village for a longer period of time, but also monitored that project. Hmm. And so what we found was that, you know, uh, they weren't as receptive as we've, as, as we hoped in terms of adapting um, their business to, for a sustainable business. And, you know, they, they had tons of pigs, but they were over capacity and they were almost at the point of uh, using the pigs as a status symbol more than a food source or a, a business tool. Um, so I tried to really prod them to, you know, sell it for maybe less than your asking price because, you know, making some money is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they sort of rejected that idea a little bit. And then I, I couldn't get them to sell them the pigs for sale or to trade them. Um, so it's sort of difficult trying to get through to them that, again, you know, making a dollar is better than making zero dollars. Mm. Um, but, you know, part of it, I think we, we had the wrong product in the wrong market. Um, you know, that there's not widely available refrigeration in that remote area. There's no electricity, no running water. Um, so, you know, we, if you butchered a pig, you couldn't refrigerate the pieces. And mm -hmm. the villagers just, they didn't have enough wealth to buy a whole pig. Um, so, again, it was just the wrong product in the wrong market. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the conclusions of my, my time out there, yeah, I felt, you know, a bit like a, a bit of a bit of failure where, you know, this pig farm wasn't really working and I wasn't able to fix it. Um, but as time's gone on, you know, we've used that as a, you know, a major lesson. And that was a, like a critical juncture in our, the foundation where we started to go away from the more remote regions using pigs to uh, closer to Lusaka where our team is located uh, with a, a cheaper product with chickens and vegetables that don't need refrigeration necessarily, um, just cheaper, more affordable. And we found success there. So, you know, ultimately, I, I feel better about you know, the Shami Yo-Yo uh, quote-unquote failure because mm. we learned a lot of important lessons from that, and it really guided us to, to where we are today. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that kind of fail-forward uh, mindset where you're saying, how, how do we learn from this? Like, like no one's perfect. You know, we're all going to kind of make mistakes, but the way that you guys were able to pivot from that is really, really commendable. Um, I wanted to ask too, I know part of the challenge uh, is with the different dialects. Uh, yeah. I think you guys had shared there's over 73 <laughs> different dialects. Yeah, each, so it's, it's really interesting. So, so there are, there's 73 different dialects across Zambia. So um, in every single area, it has a different culture. Uh, for example, Chileshi, who, who speaks, you know, who lives in Zambia, is born and raised in Zambia, Travels Zambia has trouble communicating with certain people like five or six hours away. Wow, you know, so it's like driving to Texas. Maybe Texas is a bad example, but so, you know, somewhere else and, yeah. and not being able to speak like the language, yeah, which is 
let's say. Yeah, yeah. yeah Oklahoma. Right. Andy's. I understand Andy sometimes, but this is Oklahoma draw. <laughs> So that's just that southern draw, you know. <laughs> you get me in a room. Things are scary. You know, but can you stop wrestling that goat, Andy? We need to have a conversation. <laughs> Almost ready, y'all. <laughs> exactly. But but the, the biggest thing is like you, you have to understand um each culture, each subculture within the country, wow. and then really get out of them what they actually need. And so one of my biggest issues when I first went over there is just presuming people needed certain things, right? So just because a village doesn't have electricity doesn't mean they need electricity, right? Mm. Some, some, you know, so you have to really dive into each culture and understand what, what they need and then understand what they want and what they're, you know, what they'll do. So that's where, that's where Chileshi comes in. But the, the, I guess the bigger picture is, um, there's just so much variability across the country that that's a, a big challenge for us. And that's why we're focused back in Lusaka, you know, in, in, which is the capital of Zambia um, in that area. So that's perfect. Yeah. I know you guys talked about um, the different projects. I wanted to also get a sense of, of scope on those. You know, it's, you're talking about chickens. I mean, what's, what does the average project look like in terms of number of chickens and, yeah, um, so, get a sense of size there. Yeah, so so most schools that we're that we're working with are between six hundred and a thousand students, okay. um, and then there's you know anywhere from twenty to fifty teachers, and then the surrounding community is pretty large, seven you know several thousand people. Um, and so what we try to do is build, and we keep growing this a little bit, but bring in anywhere from five hundred. We we build a chicken chicken pen. Um, which has all the amenities for chickens. And then we bring in anywhere from 300 to 700 chickens. Wow. Um, you know, and, and now I think our goal is, is like a thousand. So, okay. uh, yeah, because of this, the scale thing. So, um, you know, there's a chicken farm with all the chickens and then the, the school essentially, we build it or we help them build it. And then the school takes over. And then it's this, this system of the flywheel keeps spinning, hopefully with, them selling chickens, raising chickens, eating chickens, getting more chickens. So it's, it sounds like it's all connected to the school. Yes. And they kind of take ownership of it. Yeah, that, that is, we, we actually, we do a needs assessment for each school. We choose the, I guess, the most qualified school to, to raise these chickens, not to sound too, you know, coarse, but, um, and, and then we, have, we agree on a partnership with them so they can eventually take over. We don't want to have to go back and, you know, um, help them too much after they, after they start just so they can be self-sufficient in the long run. Sure. Yeah. And that's, what's great about having Chileshi and Kikiwe, they're kind of boots on the ground is once we do get that set up, those two can, you know, they're there, they can go assess and keep track of what's going on there. Um, uh, and give us kind of progress reports. So they don't, you know, these projects don't just kind of fall by the wayside. Like we get updates pretty, you know, pretty regularly from those two, which is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. And then about how much is, each, is the average cost for each project? Yeah. So to, to build an actual chicken farm, for example, is, is about 8,000 us dollars, which, um, and then, and then there's, you know, cost to monitor, monitor it. So all in the, I, I calculate the project, the project cost all in for a whole year is about $13,000, okay. um, which is only like $20 per student. If you, if you really think about it. So 20 bucks per, child to change their stars in the future is pretty low 
pretty low cost. Yeah. And, and you know, so that's so there's a big there's a you know that capital expenditure, but as time goes on, you know those those costs go way down. It's only monitoring. Mm. So so it's maybe a couple hundred dollars per year to monitor after this big project goes goes into effect, and then they generate their own revenue in their own food so they can buy things they need like supplies and, and tables and chairs and whatever else they need. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I wanted to loop back to Narendra with you. I, I gave Ben and Andy a chance to share about some of their firsthand experiences. Um, wanted to give you a chance to share yours as well. Uh, is there something that comes to mind if you could share one story or experience uh, being in Zambia? Yeah. Oh man, there's, there's so many. Um, yeah. I really, I'd like to talk more about, you know, Chileshi, our, our project manager. He came very, very humble beginnings, um, very poor uh, in Zambia. And I, I met him and he's very, you know, humble. And um, he, he went through a lot of challenges as a kid. He had to build his own house. He had to start his own business. Um, so, you know, that just kind of growth mindset is very inspiring to me here in the United States. I mean, if he can do that, you know, what can we all do as a society and as people? And, and just watching him blossom and grow and, and, and help us grow this thing. And, you know, Zambians helping Zambians, he takes pride in this, is, is really something that keeps me extremely motivated. That's and I have a thousand stories like that. And I can, I, I can take three hours to explain. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. I, I want to touch base on one thing with Chileshi too. Um, Narendra, one thing I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you know, back in 2009, when um, uh, Candace went over, Chileshi was like her driver, right? That's how yeah. you got connected, right? So, you know, yeah. we're talking, you know, well over, you know, 12 years ago, you know, so Chileshi has been a part of Narendra's life and Ben and I's life for quite some time now. But, you know, we were having our kind of first, you know, get back meeting kind of uh, during, let's say, you know, the third wave of the pandemic or however you want to consider it. Um, but, you know, we were all kind of like assessing, okay, well, what's next for us, you know? And um, we had ideas, but again, being here in the States, we didn't really know what really, what the future of the foundation, you know, was, was gonna be because we didn't know what the pandemic had done over there to a certain degree and what the continuation of what was going to do. So um, we hopped on a call with Chileshi and, you know, Chileshi during that time, and you can only imagine, you know, here the pandemic was tough. Yeah. There, it was on another level of tough. Mm -hmm. And um, just because, of, you know, medical, this, that, probably governmental things and all of that. But Chileshi had come to us and he had so many ideas and he collected so much stuff, Jeez. data, and things and ideas just over that like two year span that he was already projecting new ideas and all of these, you know, things that we could do to move forward. And we were just kind of, I mean, I was like, whoa, this guy did it. Like his, like, I mean, I knew he was in it from the beginning whenever I met him and we started working with him, but to be able to do what he did, put back the funds that he needed to do still visited the schools, came up with new ideas. I mean, I was blown away. So for, for Chileshi, um, that guy is, I mean, he is godsend. He's incredible. Mm. I, I, he, I, you can't ask for a better project manager, operations manager to, to deal with your business. So um, nothing but great things to say about him. 
that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's um, we, a lot of times we talk about team and you talk about chemistry, you talk about kind of effort, you talk about uh, craft, like whatever one brings to the table. I think the Narendra, you mentioned it and Andy, you underscored it, uh, which is the growth mindset and saying it's not just about scaling for scale's sake, but how do you make a greater impact? How do you really, you know, maximize uh, what you're doing? And it's, it's, so, it's so exciting to hear that you have a, a partner in crime um, in Zambia to help pull that off, which is incredible. You know, I think I'm thinking about folks listening who are getting a sense and a vision for what you guys have done and what you could do. Um, can you guys share anything uh, in the future? Like what, what your plans are? This is like the classic interview question. Like, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, you know, anything you can share down the road just to, to help paint a picture of what's to come. Yeah. So when I first, you know, when we first took on this project in 2016, you know, I, I do goals. I do a lot of goals every year and quarterly and everything. So I, I wrote down, I would like to help 1 million people somewhere. Okay. So that's like the higher level type thing, help 1 million people. Um, to start off this year and next year, we'd, we'd like to, you know, do three to five, uh, gardens a year or chicken projects a year right in zambia and kind of expand from there um and that would you know i think that would make a huge impact in lusaka alone and then ideas for the future is we i think we you know chashi's in on this too we want to actually help build a school a technical school um in the center of lusaka that will you know, bring students from all over the place to help grow that city and grow the culture and grow, grow Zambia. So that's, that's my ideas. Do you think they'll have a uh, goat wrestling at the school or <laughs> the plan? I'm going to implement that. Yes. I think it's really important. I mean, it's, it's a great way for exercise, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Ben Kirby school of engineering and goat wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke, you'll have to come over and probably, you know, we'll throw you in the pit and uh, you know, let you kind of, you know, work your magic with one of the goats and maybe you can teach some of the you know kids how to do like a, a leg lock or something you know yeah, for sure i mean there's all, all the wwf i watched as a kid you know <laughs> there's probably a couple of couple of uh, stone cold steve austin moves i could pull on them on a side note they would be really impressed by that because the wwf wwe that whole culture is huge over there really okay love yeah. it i've got a really cool story it's pretty long and i won't i won't dive into it on yeah. this podcast but maybe next time but it is uh it's, it's real. It's real. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we have something. Maybe the, the goat wrestling school isn't too far away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> get there. Oh, well, Narendra, I wanted to kick it off to you just to, to bring us home here. If you could share for folks who want to get involved, follow along. Uh, if you could share so, the social handle, the website, where can we really get involved? Yeah. So the best place to go first is, is, our, is our website, which we re, just redesigned. Thank you to Andy for his creative genius. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, I mean, he he really made an amazing website. So go there first and subscribe to our newsletter for sure, daybyday.org. Um, and then you can follow us on social media at, at day by day. So um, yeah, those are the two main places. And we do a pretty decent email and, uh, you know, uh, we like to get people to follow us there. So awesome. Yeah. And, and keep tuned with that stuff because we are, you know, heading over, like we said earlier in a month and a half to gather more assets. So soon we'll have, you know, videos and we'll also have some more still imagery 
put updates on our projects, um, hopefully live while we're there if we can, you know, uh, with internet and stuff, uh, you know, it'll allow us to do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, be sure to check out the links too. I'm going to toss those in the show notes uh, for everyone listening. Uh, want to stay updated with all the great stuff these guys are doing. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for all you're doing and thank you for being armed and generous. Thanks yeah, for thank having you so much. It's been awesome. Thanks, all right. See you guys. See you. Well, thanks to Narendra, Andy, and Ben for jumping on and sharing their Armed and Gen story. Now it's time for our Triple T takeaways, moments that exemplify using either time, talent, or treasure to help others. True to the Armed and Gen framework, these guys are using their 9-to-5 skills to bring about change to those in need. For example, Narendra, he's an entrepreneur, and he's involved in real estate. So that entrepreneurial mindset translates into an unstructured, nonprofit world where he's standing up projects without any guidelines given to him. So it's really entrepreneurship, but in Zambia. Andy, well, he's a commercial photographer and he brings his creative skills to the table. So you think about brand building, photography, video, creative direction. He does all of that for day by day. And then there's Ben. Ben's a super smart environmental engineer and he helps oversee a lot of the project work and he operates kind of as a jack of all trades for the organization. So he's bringing that kind of engineering mindset, uh, that growth hacking approach to the table. How about you? Think about the skills and talents you've honed in your nine to five. Think about the hours and hours you put in uh, to build your skill set. How could that be leveraged for a give back gig like these guys have done? It could be starting something new like they did or plugging into something existing, something to chew on. It also makes me think of the origin story of Day by Day. It's, it's really cool. You think about Narendra and his wife, and they could have followed the typical path of a wedding registry like most of us do, or following the honeymoon plan, right? You fly somewhere warm, exotic, relaxing, kind of a resort situation. But instead, they started a nonprofit. They asked guests to donate in place of a gift. They went to Zambia. I don't think Zambia is on like the top 10 list of destinations for honeymoons. This is a really unique and impactful way to kick off their marriage. And what a fantastic audible they called. They were able to swap excess for excitement, excess for adventure. What would have been another toaster or a second pair of sheets or third pair of sheets if you go to Bed Bath & Beyond became a purpose-filled adventure that continues to this day. So let me ask you this, in what areas of your life can you switch excess for excitement? or addition for adventure when it comes to giving back. The other thing that stood out to me is the Colorado University Partnership. It's another example of armed and generous living. It gives the students and faculty the opportunity to participate in real world projects. You know, this could just be reserved for a handful of people that are part of the day-by-day org, but it's now expanded to undergrads and interns who can jump in and start to pave their own armed and gen roads at a very young age. It's also a way for them to scale while also inviting their Denver community to participate. So if you're part of a nonprofit organization, it's definitely a good idea. Are there local universities? Are there groups that would benefit from being part of a Back community? Or if you're in school, maybe you're getting your degree or higher ed, or you work for a for-profit, how can you be more intentional and connect with nonprofits in your area? 
Well, the day-by-day guys are a great example of people living armed and generous. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this great organization, then visit daybyday.org. That's daybyde.org. And to hear more stories of Armed and Generous, visit armedandgen.com or follow by searching Armed Ampersand Generous on LinkedIn. As always, remember doing good leads to growth. Now let's get out there and let's be armed and generous. Thank you.